let's let the people online off the hook here. <laughs> Lord, we bless you. Um, we're speaking your words today. Actually, it's you, you speaking today, um, almost entirely in this gospel message. So, Lord, I ask you to stand on my feet, think with my brain, and speak with my mouth, and give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear, and hearts to receive whatever it is you want to tell us, and however you want to change us. It's not my message for them, it's your message for us. So let us hear you and speak, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a little background, uh, John 10. You remember John, doesn't, he's not concerned about chronology so much as he is about um, making sure that he shows where Jesus met the, Isra uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, in their context. So we've got, uh, that's part of it. The other part is for people that don't have any background in the Jewish context. But um, from John 5 to John 10, Jesus is in a very public ministry and he's showing up at all the different Jewish festivals. The one that he's at today is the one that we're, we're probably most familiar with as far as name recognition, but no, almost none of us know what it's really about. It's called the Feast of Dedication, also known as Hanukkah. And all this, and you've heard a lot of this stuff from Jesus before, you're familiar with this, Good Shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the gate. These are two I am statements in this passage. But what we don't necessarily know is that Jesus, well, the way Pastor Kurt said it this morning is Jesus, it's almost like Jesus really knows the Old Testament. Like he knows the scriptures. Because he's, he's, he's dealing, he knows that around the Feast of Dedication, the Hanukkah, they do a lot of talk from uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. And uh, the big thing for Hanukkah is God's, the shepherd of God's people. I mean, we know that God is the shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me, we, we know that from Psalm 23, but, um, but the shepherds of God's people are the priests and the Levites and the leaders. They're supposed to always be pointing the sheep, which we'll talk about in a minute, the sheep to the shepherd. And over and over and over again throughout history, the shepherds have not only not called the sheep to the, to, to the, to the good shepherd, but have led them astray. And one of the times that that happened was in about 160 BC, Rome had taken over the control of the temple and the priesthood had, had, had acquiesced to that and they were actually encouraging and requiring the people of God to not worship God, God, but to worship these pagan Roman gods. And on top of that, they had desecrated the temple with pig's blood. Pigs and Jews does not go well together. And, and, and people were required, in fact, they could be arrested or punished if they didn't participate in this apostasy. But there was one group of people, um, a family, and they, they kind of went off into the hills and they said, no, you can, if you, even if you got to kill me, I'm not doing that. I'm not participating in something that is not of God. You're not going to pervert the truth of God and the true worship of God. And, and if you're going to, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. And then God raised up with that small group of people, raised them up, and they revolted. And they took back from Rome... Picture the minute, the minute men from our revolution, farmers with guns that pushed back the British, the, the superpower of the time. These are men with, 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 with farming instruments that pushed back Rome, the superpower of the day. And they took back the temple and, and they rededicated. That's why it's called the Feast of Dedication. They rededicated the temple. Um, and there was a miracle that took place uh, for, they, they had, this is where they had the menorah, all those candles, but the oil that they were burning in the temple um, didn't burn out. They didn't have enough for it, but God made it last and last and last, another provision miracle. That's where Jesus is. But when they talk about Hanukkah, they talk about how the shepherds of God 
had led the people astray and the people had followed. And so when Jesus shows up and he starts talking about sheep and sheep pen, and you only come in my way, and, and if you come in a different way, you're a thief and a robber, and you come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is talking directly to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and they do not like it at all. So he's, he's speaking in the terms and the illustrations and the allusions of the Feast of the Tabernacle, or excuse me, the Feast of Dedication, which is also known as Hanukkah. So with that idea in mind, um, just so you got a little picture. Oh, one more thing to give you so that we paint the picture now. Um, when we hear sheep pen, a lot of times we think barn or picket fence or, you know, split rail fence or something like that. Shepherds used to wander around in the, de- in the desert, and a lot of times we hear, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he restores my soul. We think Colorado, Rockies, beautiful prairie, river running through it, moose. That is not what it looks like there. It is rocky and brown, and the shepherds would lead their sheep around, and they would know when, uh, when this particular area got enough sunlight and there was enough water um, that there'd be new shoots of grass. And so there would just be a clump here and a clump here and a clump there. Um, and so they would lead them all over the place. And when they got them there um, at nighttime so that they're in the kill zone, they're kind of in a valley, and, and uh, the predators would come down they set up these sheep pens and they would take like a cliff, side of a cliff, um, if that wall's the side of a cliff, and they would build up rocks, which there's plenty of, around, and then they would leave a gate. Um, and that would either be a, a stone or the shepherd would be in the gate, would sit in that spot to protect them, uh, or it would be just made out of olive wood, just kind of weaved together to put up so nothing could get in that wasn't supposed to be in there. And on top of the wall, the wall's about this tall, on top of the wall, they would, they would, they would uh, snarl up thistles and thorns so that if something tried to come over the top, they're going to pay. Okay. So that when he talks about the sheep pen and the gate and he calls himself the gate, have that picture in your mind. Reads like this. I tell you the truth. A man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some or some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the door for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, also known as a parable, uh, but they didn't understand what he was trying to tell them. One more thing, lots of families had sheep and they would know each other. They would see each other wandering around as they're grazing their sheep and they would talk about, okay, you're gonna be over here, we're gonna be over here because you don't wanna, over, you don't wanna try to, to overfeed off those young shoots of grass, but they would share at night the same sheep pen. And just like if, when you see soldiers training, um, they, they, they sing songs to kind of keep them in step and to distract their minds. Um, and just like if, if you've ever worked with horses, um, especially back in the day when they used horses for, for logging, ye and haw and woe, um, those horses know what ye and haw mean. We hear hee-haw, but it means something to them. Shepherds would wander with their sheep and they would, they, they would either sing songs or they would yell out commands and they got used to hearing those commands from that voice. And so when, when after the nighttime, to keep away from the predators, they would open the gate and one shepherd would go over there and one would go over there and one would go over there and they would start calling their sheep. And sheep knew where to go 
by whose voice was speaking. So a shepherd knows his sheep, but the way he calls the, the flock is by calling them out and they respond. Now, if one gets caught in another, and I've been to a sheep farm, Psalm 23 camp in Gap Mills, West Virginia, and God calling us sheep is not a compliment. They are stupid animals and they are prone to wander and they do only what the one right in front of them does. And if they do wander off, they get scared and they wander further away instead of turning around and trying to come back. That is what God says of us. And, but there's something glorious about it as well. And we'll get to that in a moment. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever, ever, whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life to the full, as the NIV, but it said the word there is in, in all of its fullness. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life for the sheep only to take it up again. I don't want you to get caught up in Jesus had to earn his father's love. This is a weird place to translate. The father has said to the son from the very beginning, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So this isn't that God doesn't, the father doesn't love the son only because he's gonna die, but because he's father and son and this has been father, son and spirit's plan from the beginning. There's more there, but I'll leave that one alone. Uh, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? ton of stuff right here, but a couple of things. These are some exclusive claims by Jesus. In fact, he's going to double down on it when he's talking to, when, when, when Thomas says, how do we know the place that you're, you're going? How, how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the life, the, tr or the truth, the life. Here he says, I am the gate. No one comes in except through me. It is an exclusive claim. Just like when he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one finds salvation. No, if you come through the gate, which is Jesus, you'll be saved. There's no other way. That's important. If I'm gonna go, if I wanna go to Dallas, Fort Worth area on a plane and I go to GRR, Gerald R. Ford International Airport, because I think we fly to Canada on occasion. Um, just that huge, never mind. If I wanna go to Dallas, which plane should I get on? The one that goes to LA, right? I might end up there, but sooner or later, I gotta get on a plane that goes to Dallas, Period. 
Same thing Jesus said. This is an exclusive claim of Christianity. No one finds salvation. No one comes to the Father. No one is right with God unless they enter through the gate, which is Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. And yes, people get upset by that. They do. Because it sounds like an exclusive claim that is pushing others away. Here's the beauty of it. Every single person on the planet starts off in the same spot with Jesus, unable to do it themselves. There's no merit, there's no intelligence, there's no extra, extra goodness, there's no what caste you were born into, nothing. We all start in the spot of needing a savior. So it is wide open for anyone. All we have to do is enter through the gate. That's something glorious. And Jesus calls us sheep when he calls himself the good shepherd. Now he's saying to the, to the, to the leaders of the day, you haven't been good. They weren't good before. They weren't good before the Maccabean revolt and you're not good now either. That is not something that they wanted to hear. It did not go well for them. And I don't like it as a pastor because I'm a shepherd and I teach and I'm supposed to be the watchman that opens the gate for the shepherd. I'm a, I'm a sheepdog. My job is to run around and bark and make a lot, of, a lot of noise. And if the shepherd's out there and the sheep are following and something goes astray, I'm supposed to go bark and bring him over. But I've never known a pastor, I've never known a shepherd that hears these words and thinks he's speaking of him. We don't ever think that we're the ones that have led astray. We never think that we're the ones jumping over the wall uh, to do damage or that we're the ones that run away when danger comes. We never think that Jesus is coming to correct us. But if he was to them, is he to us? So I just want to challenge you with something on this. Just, Just a side note. Do not trust me or Chris or Kurt or Greg or Doug or Andrew or Nate or Lynn or anyone else on the ministry staff that's preaching and speaking to you and teaching you, test it. Listen, receive, but test. Because I do not want to be responsible to lead you astray. It, hopefully it would be by mistake. I mean, every Sunday morning when I pray, I'm, that's my worry. That I'm not, if I'm not faithful, then I might lead someone astray. I am not going to be the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But no one thinks that they're the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So trust Listen, but ver- trust, but verify. Scripture matters so much. Our culture tweaks and changes. The scripture says a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And at funerals, we talk about this a little bit. And I add some things in there. I'm not trying to take away from the scriptures, but, but the enemy of God and some of the, his agents want to Steal your hope, kill your joy, and destroy your faith. And they do it by taking things that sound like Jesus and tweaking them just a little bit. They sound good, but almost all the time they sound easy. They want to steal. They might not be their motive here, but if they're working against the truth, then that's the effect. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life in all of its fullness. Now, which one of those do you want to pick? He claims, he says twice here, I tell you you the truth. Folks, there is no time in the United States history that we should know the truth better. He tells us right here that my sheep know my voice. Do we? 
I mean, do we really know the truth of Jesus? Do we really know what the scriptures tell us? Can we test what we hear out there against what we know in here? And is it almost instinctive? Like Pastor Greg, all the memory that he does, he can tell you if something's off that quick. Are we, do we know the shepherd's voice? I hope so. And if not, there's still time. Here's the other thing. He says right here, they know me, or I know them by name and they know me. Here's something cool. Scripture tells us that God has a name for us. Remember when he changed uh, Simon's name to Peter and Abram's name to Abraham and Jacob's name to Israel? He, he changed their name because he was changing their character. He was making them something more than they were. They were becoming who he made them to be. I don't know what your name is with God, but it's not necessarily the one you were given at birth. And there'll be a day when you meet him face to face and he's gonna speak the name he has for you and you're gonna go, oh, that's who I am. He knows you that well. He knows you so well that not a hair can fall from your head without the will of your father in heaven. The shepherd knows you by name and he knows you so well that he expects more failure out of you than you do. Brennan Manning said that in Lion and Land, that God knows you so well and loves you so much he expects more failure out of you than you do. Now that sounds negative, but it's not. Think about it this way. Do you ever wake up in the morning and go, today I'm gonna sin? You know, if you play golf, I've never stood, I'm not any good at it, but I never stood over a golf ball and go, I hope I shank this. I'm trying to hit it there, but I hope it goes over there. I don't plan to fail. I don't ever go fishing hoping I catch nothing. Never. I don't think you do either in your journey of faith, but here's the beauty of it. God's affection and love and provision and grace that he gives for you to you is not dependent on your success at being more and more holy. That is glory. He knows you. It's not just that he knows you. Watch out what you do. You know, you know he missed it. He knows you so well that he loves you even though. And he wants to make you something more. That is glorious. Let's not miss that in this, that the shepherd of the sheep, he knows you're a sheep. He knows you mess up. That's, that's awesome. The other thing to notice in here is this, that he says that, that I have other sheep that are not of this pen, but I gotta go get them and call them in too. You know who those, people, who those sheep are? Me and you. Because he's talking to Jews. We are the other sheep. He wants to make one church. He wants to make one people. He wants to have one bride. That's one of the reasons we plant churches. We plant churches because we, the statistics tell us that, that about 10 times more people come to a first time faith in Jesus Christ with churches that are less than 10 years old. So a church that's zero to 10 leads 10 times more people to a first time saving knowledge of Jesus Christ than a church that's older than 10 years old. Of course we're gonna plant churches. That's why we're doing gospel community. That's why we're gonna send Andrew off to, to Granville. That, we're, gonna do, we're gonna do one, two, three, and four. We had a, the, the consistory discern God's call for us um, a few years ago for our 50th anniversary. We're gonna, in the next 10 years, after our 50, by the time we're 60, we're gonna plant four new churches. Why? Because Jesus has other sheep that are not of this pen, and he wants us to go call them and point them to the shepherd because he knows them just like he knows you. 
and we know him and that we can introduce others to the shepherd that only wants wonderful things for them. And it's not dependent upon their success. It's dependent upon Christ's righteousness. And that is glorious. So in a moment, we're going to do something here. We're going to take communion. And communion is kind of ordinary. I mean, honestly, it's just bread. Where, do, where don't you find, what restaurant do you go to that they don't have bread? A gluten-free one. We have that too, by the way. It's ordinary. in cran apple juice or grape juice or whatever we have, it's just juice. But Jesus went through all those festivals for a reason. An acceptable year of the Lord. He made it to all of them. And, and in those festivals, this is something we miss that the Jews have, which I think is it's sad that we miss it. But when they experience Passover, they're not just remembering that the, that the angel of death passed over them and that God rescued them. They feel as if they're experiencing it for themselves. So when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, it's not remembering that he had the sacrifice. Do that, that he did offer himself, that he did spill his blood and it's for the forgiveness of sins and that he beat death. But he's still offering himself to you today. It's not that he's being crucified again. It's that he, it, God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's giving somehow, some way to you today, grace. So when you take that little square, we call it a feast. When you take that little square and you put it in your mouth and you have that taste and then later you take that little cup and if you don't have gum or coffee after this and you're on your way home and you still taste that in your mouth, just thank God for what he's done. Thank God that he knows you and thank God that he wants to be known by you. I think that's amazing. It's so, it's so common to talk about it, but we miss the fact that the God of the universe would have done what he did if you were the only one on the planet. And he knows you. He does it even though he knows you. And he wants you to know him, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That is, that is unthinkable. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Maccabees that were willing to stand firm, follow your lead, and they took back the temple. Thank you for Hanukkah that reminds us that you still do miracles. And thank you for your words to the shepherds of your sheep, telling them, don't you lead them astray. Lord, I pray that you remind each pastor here that we are accountable to you and that we are to preach your word, not what's easy, but what's true. And Lord, I pray that you give each of us in this room this morning a reminder and a joy that kind of that's beyond what we can imagine. The sheer and simple fact that you know us and that you love us and that you want us to know you and love you. That is glorious. Pray these things in Jesus' name through the power of your spirit for the glory of God, our Father. Amen.